What's up, people? It is Mike Watts coming to you from my office in Maine. Nothing too crazy here. Anyway, I wanted to touch base with you regarding the podcast today. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I interviewed a friend of mine named Mike Bruni. And you have to excuse, there's a little bit of audio issues. I think for the most part, it won't be a problem hearing anything. But so Mike and I have known each other for a number of years now, five or six years, I would say. And we met at Chris Gillibo's book launch party um, down in Boston, Massachusetts. And then since then, I've watched him kind of develop into, you know, really pay attention to what he does because he's pretty amazing human being. He's one of the best networkers that I know. We talk about the definition of networking. Uh, he's very innovative on kind of the way he goes about doing things. I linked up in the description. So if you go to MikeJWatts.com forward slash podcast, you can see some of his websites in the description, like his website plus his resume. He does an online resume. Then he also did a um, this really detailed thing on LinkedIn about his profile. I think it's I'm taking a lot of recommendations about that because I don't actually haven't used my LinkedIn profile in a long time. But I want to go back to doing that because I believe for business consulting, I could find quite a few clients that's out there. So I think building that is a really smart idea for me. And it's just really cool and creative how he went about doing these type of things. So Mike is currently working at Babson University, which is an entrepreneur college. And he is going to get his MBA, which he finishes up in 2018 in December. So we talk about what it was like to go back to school. He used to work at Intel for nine or 10, almost nine years. And then they shut the facility down in Massachusetts. So he lost his job and what it was like to be an Intel. And then he also has done a number of other things with social media examiner that he currently still works with as the attendee engagement. A lot of times at their events that take place in San Diego. So he's been in the online space for a long time, uh, understands really social media marketing. And so we didn't get too much into nuts and bolts of marketing. It was more about a conversation between the two of us. We talk about parenting and how his parenting has changed uh, much different from what his dad's was as he was growing up and kind of what that looks like now for a, he has a four-year-old son. And then also we just talked about uh, one of my favorite parts of the episode was at the end uh, regarding vulnerability. I got this idea to just ask one word questions. I just said a word and he answered it. And the first one that came to mind was vulnerability. So he kind of went off what came to him on that. And I just love the way he expressed that. So enjoy this interview with Mike. I definitely, one of my goals here on Project Life with Mike Watts is to start interviewing much more to have uh, men in this conversation and actually start having a place for men to express vulnerability, to have a place where we can come together to talk about kind of what's going on in the news and what our thoughts are on that. So I'm still working through that process. And I really look forward to bringing more dudes on to chat about that. So anyway, uh, Mike Bruni is his name. Enjoy the episode. Before I go in the month of October, we are doing a what's up. I'm calling it W-A-T-T-S up. So it's a play off my last name. Somebody gave me this idea a long time ago, Laura Sterling. And I never did anything with it about seven or eight years ago, but now I'm ready to do that. So it's a, the what's up book club is happening. We're reading um, a book by DeRay McKenzie. I think that's how you pronounce his last name. And it's on the other side of freedom. So we're going to 
pretty much read this book and talk about it at the end of the month. So we'll have like a Zoom call for all of us to bring people together and I'm really excited about it. So if you want to partake in that, all you have to do is buy the book. It's DeRay. All you have to just search DeRay, D-E-R-A-Y on Amazon or any of your local book places and you'll be able to pick it up. Um, and then we'll have a discussion for it at the end of the month. Even if you don't read the book, just come on the Zoom call that we'll put together. I'm still working through all the details to get all that stuff up and running. So don't, there's nothing available besides you're hearing it now. So also consulting is open for the end of the year. And if for, if you want to guys want to line anything up for your business to help with the systems organization around it, you just hit me up on uh, Instagram or mikejwatts.com and there's a contact form, just fill it out and I'll be in touch with you. Enjoy the interview with Mike Bruni and have a great rest of the day. Cheers. I would like to introduce everybody to Mike Ambassador Bruni coming to us from Massachusetts. And it's a pleasure to have you here. My pleasure, Mike. My pleasure. Always, always my pleasure to connect, man. Yeah, I appreciate that. Thank you so much. So we were just kind of hashing. We were catching up. We haven't talked to each other or seen each other in a while. So we were just kind of doing a little catch up here for the audience. And uh, um, I wanted to, we were talking about kind of watching shows, et cetera, and just getting back into the laugh factor where Kate and I were watching different shows and things that we've been watching over the period of time. And then recently we've been watching a lot more. I was like, I just need to laugh, you know? So we've been watching like Ali Wong. I think that's her name. Um, She's hysterical. Oh my gosh. On Netflix, she has two Netflix specials. And then uh, watching other comedians that are actually, Trevor Noah specials, we're getting ready to start watching. But we started watching Communities and Cars Getting Coffee, and I was talking to Mike about how when I was kind of – because right now, especially in, like, the political climate of where we are and what we see every single day on the TV and the news can be very heavy, right, for people to, like, kind of experience their day-to-day, right? And so we were talking about, like, just getting back into the laugh factory, you know, and so – we started watching communities and cars getting coffee just to start laughing consistently. And you were talking about your Spotify. So, and you said something about like people don't talk about that very often. So what is it about that that resonated with you regarding like, we should be talking about this more. Well, Mike, there's one thing like I, I think in community, like I don't, that's just the way my brain is wired. Um, and, uh, I guess I consider myself kind of a social psychologist. I'm always looking at the people aspect of things and how things connect and what people are talking about. And, you know, you'll find enough motivational quotes and things you should do from a motivation standpoint. But, but sometimes you just need to laugh. You need something that is going to change your, um, your, your disposition. And like, like nothing so serious, just, I need to laugh. That was funny. And, and kind of move on. I mean, right away, I'm inspired that I'm going to create something I'm going to share. I'm going to ask people, tell me, where do they go for for comedy? So we have that list. Um, I might actually put to see what I can find on Spotify and share that list because I think it's important. If we're thinking it, someone else is thinking it. It's yeah, awesome. it's true. Yeah. Um, their comedy list. I love that. That's such a great idea. So talk me through, this is actually a great study because I feel like I met you, I believe it was WDS is when we actually met for the first time. No, we met right before I went, uh, darn it. Let's see. We met right before WDS. I want to say Chris Gillibo's book 
book. Uh, oh, in Boston. It was, uh, yes, it was in Boston. I'm trying to remember if it was a book launch or. It had to be a book launch because he was doing the tours around here a lot. He was doing the tour. And that's where I remember first meeting you and Kate. Um, you know, and I want to say it, it must have been after AWDS because I didn't know who Chris was until <laughs> someone mm. said, you need to go to WDS. So I think that's, that, that's um, how we first met. Was it, a, was it the one at Harvard? No, that was the. I, I want to say it was in it was in Cambridge. The, the, the two times yeah, that the, I went to see him in Boston, it was in Cambridge. Yeah, it was the Harvard Bookstore, I think. I believe I believe so. Yeah, because the, then I remember in my head was like the parking garage, but that was the Seth Godin event or the Gary V event at Babson. Ah, got it. Yes, yeah, yes, yes, one, yes, yes. At the I Fed, that was at the Fed. I think. Yeah, that was yeah. at the Fed. Um, cool. So, okay. So WDS, for those of you who don't know, is world domination summit that Chris Gillibald puts on once a year. And Kate and I were frequentlers or for the first couple of years, frequent, frequentlers. Is that, a, that's not even a word. I just made that up. It is now. It is now. It is now. <laughs> but we went to the first, I think three or four of them that he ended up having. It was awesome. And I had such a good Likewise. time. Likewise. But it's when I have been around you, the one thing I have seen, the community, it's interesting you think in community and, um, you know, you're saying that, but it's just, it's so innovative. That's what I think of when I think of Mike Bruni. First off, I never, what does, where did ambassador come from? I have no idea. Like you, you call yourself that and people know you by that. Like I've been watching, I've been catching up on you. I've been doing a bunch of Google search and I like read your LinkedIn and I've read, I mean, I'm going to talk about the way you put this resume together and it's like, it's unbelievable, but it's just like the innovation that takes place. Um, so it was even just right now with this, with this piece of, it's like, we should put something together. So like what happens in your head, like in all of a sudden it goes into creation mode. Uh, I don't know. It's just, you know, I think some of it has to, <laughs> I feel like I should be on a psychologist. Let me, let me lean back in my recliner here, but you know, cause everything goes back to my mom, I'm sure. Right. Somewhere it goes back to uh, originally being from Brooklyn, New York. And I think deep down, deep down some of this does go for me, black man, Brooklyn, New York had some stuff, but not a lot of stuff. And I'm always thinking of how can I give back and give back is not even the right word, but how can I help elevate? How can mm -hmm. I help elevate? Like, it's not just me. If I know it, if I'm learning it, someone else should know it. Someone else could use it. How can we do something instead of just I, right? Like, yeah. Yep. And it's not as much fun. So that's what, that's just the way my brain works is I, if I want to do something, I'm thinking, well, Maybe I'll try it by myself. Then I'll be like, hey, anybody else want to do it with me? I did that for Seth Godin Books. Um, yeah. You know, I did a book club just because. I started doing walk, um, a walk and talk, experimenting with that at conferences. And that was because, hey, I wanted to walk a mile every day. I'm at a conference. Maybe other people want to do it. And then I just observed and I just saw magic happening because you had a mob of people walking. But then slowly the mob would become a pair. Mm -hmm. without fail it become a pair and I was like that is beautiful and people would sometimes switch but just the opportunity to connect magic happens there um, and I, I think it's just wanting to to um, others to experience the, the, the magic of, of, of what happens when people connect is, is what drives that and then how do you select your ideas of which ones to pursue because 
we probably, I don't know about you, but I get stuff all the time that comes to be, I should do this or, or like, this would be a good idea. This would be a good idea. So how do you know what to put your time into? It's a great question. And, and it's, I don't have a formula. I can tell you that I've been um, practicing, if you will. And each time, because in, in, that, in that question potentially is idea. And then there's also, are you looking to make money from that idea, right? Mm-hmm. Like all that plays into it. And I won't say usually, but a lot of times I'm trying to figure out, hey, is this something that, that I can monetize? Is this something that I could, I could do good, um, you know, and, 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 and also uh, provide value and also receive value? And that, to be honest, is one reason why I went to get an MBA, uh, besides the fact that I work at a school, I don't have to pay for it. But the other fact is, that, the other reason is because it was about man, I want to learn to make better decisions about what do I do? What do I don't do when it comes to things that are being monetized? Um, uh, so over, over time, that's, that's where I've gotten. I've also learned to experiment uh, and do better job of interviewing and reaching out and testing. So, so that whole MVP, it's been an it, it iteration, man, of, of, um, of, hey, let's test it. Let's see how it's going. The one thing that I am not good at is ending things. Like things mm-hmm. linger. They're, they're still they're still there. It's not really shut. <laughs> you know, it's still there. It may be weak, but it still exists. So I've practiced that too. I've I've shut down a number of websites. Uh, I've taken some of the content because I think it's still valuable, but I've shut down a number of websites. I think uh, I was having a discussion with somebody that it's like finding your strength. Are you a good starter, like or a good beginning, middle, or end person? So like can you, are you the person that can close the deal or like, you know, follow through on the things like the execution piece? Or are you a person in the middle that likes to do the work like in between, or are you a good idea or a good starter? Like Kate's a really good starter. She does end some things, but it's like for us, that's created success in our life has been, I'm good at the other two. It's like seeing the middle work or at least finding people to help us with the middle and then closing it out. Like what's the end result of everything. And so it's cool to know your strength around that. And I think that's a, I think that's an awesome point because the other thing I do is, is, I mean, besides thinking that I know myself mm-hmm. is asking people things like, what do you see? Like you mentioned innovation and I'm like, Oh, okay. That's interesting. Interesting that he sees me through this lens. Mm-hmm. So it's something I'm going to explore. Cause you know, sometimes you're so close to it. You're just like, I just do what I do. So if you ask fish, how's the water, water, what water, right? They're mm-hmm. in it. Uh, but I've had someone who's, who said like, Mike, you're a good starter. Like they clearly pointed out to me that you are starting things. You are starting things, buddy. <laughs> uh, and you start things very well. So it's, it's something that, that, um, that, that I've started to embrace. Uh, and of course there's a piece that's like, of course I can do all things. I can start, I can do middle and I can end. Uh, but knowing that, Starting is my probably more of my space. Starting and understanding that I, I, I don't want I don't want to uh, sustain anything. You better find someone else to do the every day. We're doing the same thing over, and they like it. I, I, I'm definitely more of the the starter. I know that I am a project oriented person. I like I like to feel like something looks like it has an end because mm-hmm. I can I can get energy behind that. Come on, guys, let's go. It's only three months or thinking about my final MBA project, December 15th, let's go. We can do it. You can, anyone can last this long. So (laughs) anyway, anyone can last this long, 11 weeks or whatever it is. 
Is that helpful? Is that more helpful for you? Because you talked about the, like letting things not being able to end things or to keep it. So has it been helpful to just say, like we have to have put deadlines for everything? Deadlines are helpful. And at the same time, it still doesn't mean I end. It doesn't mean I totally end it, right? right. Uh, let's see, example. Example is hip hop affirmations. Yeah. Hiphopaffirmations.com, something I started once again. I had an idea, tested a little bit, wrote a book, um, spoke at a bunch of different places. And I felt like I just didn't want to let go of that. Like, oh, I've learned so much since I started it. Oh, it could be something different or better. I created a blog, 365 days of it. Um, and I just, and I shut it down recently. So it's been going on for years. This is, I'm talking about, this is something I created in probably 2008, yeah. 10 years ago. And every so often someone will ask about the book or you can still get the book on Amazon. Um, but that was one where writing the book, I had a deadline writing the, the blog post for 365 days in a row was clear. But then after that point, it was still around. Uh, it was still around. And I think the more I think about it, the more we discuss, there's another piece. I've always been a side hustler. So that makes a difference. I've had a full-time job, which I think al could allow for things to linger. It's a different sense, a different posture of, shoot, I need to get rid of this because it's, it's weighing me down mm -hmm. in order for me to move forward and make the money I need to do to live the life that I want, to have the impact that I want. As a side hustler, it could be there's an opportunity to well, you know, my full-time gig has this covered. This is kind of a project, but it's still something I'm getting paid for. So, so it's a, it's an interesting, it can be an interesting space as such. Have you, cause I know like you were at Intel, Intel, Intel for, you know, nine, almost 10 years, I think. Right. Yeah. And, it's about, about eight years. Yeah. And then being a side hustler, because we see this all the time, right? It's like, oh, you got to, it, it's like, leave your full-time job, leave your career. And then, you know, you just, you're identifying yourself as a side hustler and that you know what you are. So is it something you've ever said, like, I want to go out 100% on my own, or this is like, I really enjoy the side hustling piece. Good question, Mike. The, and being who I am, I'm thinking about it from all these angles, right? Like, is my answer, if I say I am a side hustler, deep down inside, am I saying that, am I saying it because I feel that I have failed to create something that I can do full time? So all those things are working in my brain. I do know that I have certain responsibilities from family, et cetera, that I have to take care of and that I want to honor. And at the same time, I know there's certain parts of me from a creation standpoint, from knowing that it's not just creation for the sake of creation, but creation and seeing that, hey, in kind of the Seth Godin um, aspect of things, will someone actually pay for this? You know, it's not right. art for sake until the audience kind of embraces it. So I'm, 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 I am towing that line. Uh, I, I, there is something about working in an organization, uh, especially around helping to shape organization and adding humanity to it, that is important to me. Um, that, that's kind of part of the things I went through at Intel, some of the things I'm going through at Babson, that's important to me. It feels like it's, it's part of a role that I'm here to play is to help bring humanity 
to organizations and the way people relate to each other. Um, and at the same time, there's something that I'm, I'm going to be creating. I just know it. My final project is all about uh, building a business from scratch. That's what we do. Is, oh, cool. Is that's, that's the MBA as a blended student at, at Babson College. It's you're building a business from scratch. You're exploring uh, different industries and areas, and you're going to build something with your team of seven people. And what I'm learning in that space feels like, oh, yeah, there's something I'm going to be researching deeper, whether it be, is there actually a need and a want for <laughs> hip hop affirmations? Is there actually a need or a want for my bow ties? Um, uh, there's need, there's want, and then there's also, how do you want to play in it? Do you want to be lifestyle? Is it okay if you're making a couple of bucks? So those are all questions that I have to answer. Nice. I like it because it's also, I mean, we live in a, like, I'm around a world, of, I should speak for myself, it's either one way or the other way. Like, you either, you're a nine-to-five person, or you have to take the risk to go out and do it on your own. And it's, it doesn't have to be right it's like you can have your side gigs and if you're really happy because it sounds like you know you know and you can always change right in two years you might feel something different but it's cool I like the way you explain that because you are creating this you're I mean it sounds like you're happy with what you're doing and I feel like it's really we see this a lot in the network marketing business that Kate and I run as well it's like people like well I gotta quit my job next week like no you don't you know, it's like, this is your side hustle until your income is matching it, you know, or allows you to leave and you can make that decision if you want. Right. Um, cool. So, all right. So I want to dive into the, well, let's find out where did ambassador come from? Like what, where did that name, how did that stick with you? All comes back to community again and crazy idea and how you move on it. I don't remember exactly what year it was, but I had a crazy idea. Oh, not crazy. I had an idea. I had an idea that, you know what I want to do? I want to invite people over my house and I want to have a vision party. I want people to show up how they would like to see them themselves 10 years from now. I'll just say now, but then how they want to see themselves. They have a name tag. Uh, we'll have visioning boards in the basement where they can magazines, they can do their thing. And I did that had people come. There's uh, one of my favorite stories, uh, a young lady who says she wants to be a judge and now she's a judge. So oh, that's, that's awesome. awesome. Yeah, it's very awesome. And so I, every time I see her, I remind her of, of the, um, you know, the vision party. Come, come, come as you see yourself 10 years from now. I invited one of my mentors from New York City, Andre Taylor, who's a longtime entrepreneur to come and kind of address the group and be part of the mix. And Several weeks later, I was in a branding workshop with him. And one of the things we had to do was just jot down words that kind of resonate with us and capture us. And he's the one who actually came up with Ambassador. After watching, he said, uh, in his words, how he saw people were hanging on my every word, like what do we do next when they were at my, my party? Mm -hmm. That's where the word Ambassador came from. And then for years, I struggled with, with a little bit of like, how dare I, you know, how dare I use Ambassador? Or should I use it? And then one day I said, you know what? I'm going for it. This is what it is. So it, it moved around from everything from Ambassador Mike Bruni. Uh, and then it ended up being Mike Ambassador Bruni. I said, I'm going to use it like a name. Uh, mm -hmm. It's just, 
at some point I'll probably just change my name and, and you know, so just be Mike Ambassador Bruni. There are people who think my name is Ambassador. Um, I remember being at Rich Brooks event and uh, Derek Halpern actually, <laughs> he was on stage and there was something, for some reason he's saying something, he said, uh, an ambassador. So there are people who actually think my first name is Ambassador, you know, because it's just Ambassador Bruni. Yeah. So that, that's, that's how it came, that's how it came to be. I do, I do believe in it. You know, I do believe in the serving as a bridge uh, between different spaces and helping people to move between different spaces. Um, so I think ambassador happens to be who I be. So I just found, I found, I found a label for who I, who I am. Mm-hmm. I, that's awesome. Yeah. I remember that Derek Halpern event. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I will never forget the way he addressed the crowd like when it was time for Q&A. That was my favorite part. It's like my favorite Derek Halpern story. Somebody raised his hand and he just goes, what's up? You know, in the New York, yeah. like the thick yeah. New York, he's like, what's up? And I'm just like, that was amazing. Like, it wasn't <laughs> like, oh yeah, I'll call on you. It's just like, what's up? You know, and I had tilt like to him and everything. I was like, that Derek's yeah. unbelievable. And now he's a father, so. Yes, yes. <laughs> How, speaking of fatherhood, uh, how is Emerson, like, how, what, how was the transition? Because he's what, four or five? Four. He's four now. How's the transition been for you as, because I know before you were laid off from Intel because they shut yeah. the facility down. You also yep. took time off before that. Didn't you take uh, a, a leave? No. The time that he was born, like, the facility pretty much shut down right before he was born. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, I remember talking to you and you said you were taking like a sabbatical of some sort. Oh, sabbatical is not like you, it was just part of, it's something you get after working seven years at Intel. Oh, it's, okay, you get, cool. You get, I want to say a uh, two month sabbatical. And then did you do that before Emerson was born? This was before Emerson was born. Um, this was, and at that time there was a sense that the facility was going to shut down where I was working. So I traveled to Portland, Oregon to, um, to try and make friends with some different <laughs> Intel people. Um, and that helped me as far as extending my stay a little bit, mm-hmm. uh, with Intel, but, but yeah, so that's the whole sabbatical thing. You okay. Sorry. Times. I was, I was combining two different things. Sorry. Um, oh, what, like how has fatherhood been for you? And it might be hard to remember back when like the kid was born, but like in the past four years versus what you, how you were raised and kind of just like, what's that been like in your world? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when you compare it to how I was raised as, so I mentioned Brooklyn, New York. What I didn't mention was Haitian. <laughs> and when you hear that Haitian Caribbean know that there's a belt involved, right? Like automatically, which is a little bit different from a little bit different from how I am trying to raise Emerson. Yeah. Uh, it's just like a much more stronger discipline in the Haitian, in the Haitian culture. Um, the way I remember relating to my father uh, was, was different. You know, I, like I just remember him in the early years, just as a disciplinarian. At some point, there was a certain age I reached that it switched where he became more of an advisor, um, you know, and, and has done tons of things that helped to shape who I am. But for me, it's been more trying to be an advisor, trying to treat this little guy as a, as a I don't want to say an adult, but someone with some understanding 
in asking questions and in, in trying to help him understand about consequences. And sometimes I'm so sure, I'm so sure that I, I take things out of context. I'm like, he's only four, but I'm trying to have a, a rational, a big mm -hmm. rational discussion and say, why don't you behave a certain way? I'm like, dude, the kid is four. Uh, case, case in point. Here's, here's the most recent case in point one is that we just put him in a new school. In this new school, he doesn't take a nap. Mm -hmm. So he would, he would come home, he'd fall asleep in the car for a little bit. I'd wake him up, I'd bring him in the house, I'd put him down on the couch. Then he'd be like, oh, I'm up, I'm up. But then he would just have these tantrums, like, ah, my hands are dirty, my hands are dirty. I'm like, okay, okay, wash your hands. He washes his hand, then he goes, he rubs it on his pants. Ah, my hands are dirty, my hands are dirty. So my first reaction was much more of a disciplinarian. You know, you do this, you wash your hands. Okay, you let me know when you're ready. Da, 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 da. And I started watching that. He was doing the exact same thing day after day. Ah, my hands are dirty. And I was like, oh. And, and yeah, well, truth be told, in between that, I saw my wife handle it. Where she, where I was like, you know where the water faucet is? You know where the soap is? You can go wash your hands. She was like, come, I'll wash your hands for you. And she did that. It was a different spin to it what I call uh, focus on, on love, you know, love him more mm -hmm. where I'm trying to like, you gotta be not so much like you gotta be tough, but there's a way that we do yeah. things here. You know how to do it. If you know how to do it, you do it. Don't expect me to do something for you that you know how to do. But watching her, I said, you know what? I can take, I can take that spin because I realized the kid was tired. It was all about fatigue. It wasn't about him being a jerk. It was about him being so tired in this new scenario so I, I had to catch myself. So what I experimented with was drove him home. He fell asleep in the car. Instead of waking him up, I sat there for an hour. Let him sleep. Woke him up. We went inside. Things were different. Mm -hmm. you know, so th that's kind of what fatherhood has been like for me. Like this, this experiment, trying to watch my kid, um, trying to just understand who he is. Um, because I really struggle with the discipline um, and, and praying that I don't break his spirit. That's my biggest thing. It's like he has this energy and, and this, this almost like fight against stuff. And I'm like, you know what? That's probably going to serve you well when you're a CEO of something <laughs> right now. So I'm sure I'm overthinking it. But I do think about that. I think about, I think about my son's spirit. Uh, and and, and how, do you, how do you get things done? And how do you still... Um, you know, you, you don't break someone's spirit. Hmm. Wow. That's, that's a really good thing to think about because you can see it in like you can read. I've listened to some talks about when you watch the children's spirit change, like in school situations or certain grade levels and how that changes them for, or something happens and it, it's the, that situation and a lot of times that does happen at home, right? Yeah. So it's like yeah. trying to have, yeah. Hmm. Um, and then what has it taught you about being a, like just being a parent now? Like what is that, how's that influenced you? Well, I think even more experimentation, which funny enough, a lot of this ties into, into my job at Intel and where the whole lean manufacturing and, constant improvement. It's kind of the way that I look. I, I, I look at things. Um, there's a little, there's patience, right? There's like, it's taught me, it's taught me a little bit about patience. It's taught me about, it's taught me about 
um, they um, forgive them, Lord, they know not what they do. You know, like that kind of stuff. It's like, this kid here is not trying to be a jerk. <laughs> you know, he's not just trying to be defiant for the sake of defiant. There's something more there. So it's taught me more around, around that patient um, aspect of thing. Uh, I'm sure there's more, I'm sure there's more things. It's just not coming to my head right now. But, and then are you bringing the Haitian part like into the, like, is that something that you find important to communicate to him as well as he gets older? Um, well, one thing to note is that, so he is, however you want to define him. So he has Haitian, he has a Haitian heritage. He has a Korean heritage. My wife is, yeah. is, is, is Korean, uh, South Korean. I'm sure someone out there is going North or South. <laughs> She's South Korean. And, um, so his grandma on the Korean side doesn't speak English. So more of the focus has been on the Korean. My mom speaks English, so he could communicate with her that way. But I think there is something about the Haitian spirit and revolution and all that stuff that, um, you know, I still try and instill in, in him. Uh, it, some of it is like not yet. There are little words in Creole, yeah. Haitian Creole that I'll, I try to teach him, but more focus on Korean right now. Um, and I, we have a big map in his room, so I show him where his grandma's from. He knows where his, his – he's been to Korea, um, but so he knows where, where my mom is from and, and those things. I look at that as that's going to be bit by bit, piece by piece. I do believe very much in exposure, so taking him to different things, having him see people who looks like his dad uh, doing things so it becomes the norm, uh, you know, success is – is, is, is normal. Um, so taking him back to Brooklyn, hanging out with me, seeing where I grew up, having discussions. This is where I grew up. There was never a co coffee shop on this street, you know, yeah. stuff like that is, 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 it's important. That heritage I think, is important. That's, that's amazing. Yeah. And four is like, it's little like right now, Penelope, you know, Penelope's three, she just turned three. She's like, wants to dress up all her dolls. So it's like, yeah. You know, it's when the time's right. So, but I think it is, I mean, that discipline piece is, it's interesting. It's an interesting conversation because I was spanked as a kid, you know, with a wooden spoon until like it didn't hurt anymore. And did it help? I don't think so. Truthfully, like I don't, you know, and I'm just like, hmm, because it is now we're finding we're at the age where, and we just moved to our neighborhood we built, we built, or we bought a house here and then it's a whole brand new neighborhood that 26 homes have been built. And so now we're starting to see these like, cause Penelope is really kind of the youngest kid, like the age three to seven, eight. And she's like the youngest of them. Right. Yes. Like another, there's another boy that's three. And so we're starting to see this influence of other children and how that's affecting Penelope's attitude and what she does. And I, it's very like the other day we had our first kind of conversation with her around there was, I'm not going to go into details, but it was something with the other neighborhood kids and we're sitting at the table and Kate and I are like looking at each other, like, what are we supposed to do? <laughs> like it wasn't, didn't, it wasn't like anything bad. So there wasn't discipline that was in, but it was actually a real conversation for her to understand kind of kids were saying other things about each other. And then, Penelope was springing it up at the dinner table and we were like, Whoa, like, okay, how do we, what do we do now? You know? And, and it is trying to talk it out. So she understands to say like, this is not right. You know, to right. do that. 
And so even with the, like sometimes she loses her stuff. Overall, she's really mannered well and behaved. Yeah. She's really order. Like she's a Virgo. She's like, everything's in order for her. Like it's just, if it's out of order, you know, it's when she kind of loses it, but it, it's an interesting place to be at right now for like the old school way versus let's say like what I grew up with versus kind of what it is now. Yeah, it is. It, it is really, really, really interesting. As I remember, um, <clears throat> I remember when Emerson was a little bit younger, there was something he was doing and then I would tap his hand, right? I would get his hand. No. And I, for me, I would, I'm like, okay, if I do it, it has to hurt. But like, so you get something. My wife would just, just the act of it is enough. That was, mm-hmm. it was very interesting to see that the act of doing it was enough that he knew something was wrong. But I also noticed that the behavior was still going on. Even if I hit his hand, he'll do it and say, he's still doing the thing. It's like, okay, well, is this really helpful? <laughs> is, is, is it really helpful? Is he really getting what I'm trying to tell him? Is there other things, you know, take, take away your iPad. Uh-oh, like maybe that gets the message more than, than that physical aspect of it. Um, you know, you say wooden spoon. It was like, for me, it was like electric cord. It's like pretty much like whatever's around is what you yeah. get, you get uh, whooped with. And you have things that in the Haitian culture, and I'm sure other cultures too, that were designed just to beat people, <laughs> like just to whip you. They have these things just made to whip you. But the thing that had the biggest impact on me and this was more, I was like 14 years old and I was just hanging out, not going to, not going to class, all kinds of stuff. Uh, my mom was more like, ah, oh, boy being boy. My dad, I remember clear as day coming in the house and, and um, he, he just came to me and says, Mike, if this is the way that you want to go, you can do that. But just do me one favor. Don't say anything to me. Don't talk to me when you see me in the street. Don't talk to me when you see me in this house. But you can go down that path if you want. And to me, that had more of an impact than anything else. Because I literally, my freshman year in high school, I say I went to school every day, but I never went to class. I used to get these things called cutting cards. They would basically say the classes that you missed, they would send it home. And it would be like, he would list all the classes on the front and the back. And at the end, it would say too many, like too many to list. Um, But that conversation with my dad changed everything. Because I would have actually been like a year behind my peers. I went to summer school. I went to night school. I say if they had if they had summer school, summer night school, I would have been in there. I found out later that they did have it. <laughs> I was able to I was able to catch up. I transferred schools. I I, I caught up. Um, you know, was able to get like over a 3.0, go to college and and, and do that stuff. But um, that thought and it's it's something I also expressed to my dad at my like wedding rehearsal dinner. Uh, which brought me to tears because for me, it was such a pivotal time. And what, what he did and uh, me valuing that relationship more so than hanging out and doing the wrong thing really changed things for me. And I think it allowed me to learn how to dance within several worlds, uh, which I don't know. I, I don't know how you potentially teach that you know, to a kid, but I was able to be air quote cool and still be the one that's like, nah, that's not for me. You guys can do that if you want, but that's not for me. Um, it's, you know, because of, because of my dad. Hmm. And was it the kind of the respect from him or, you know, what really was the, the, like the feeling or something that changed that based off that conversation for you? 
I would have to say is my dad was someone who always had a story to tell you. He's talking about drugs. He's like, Mike, and in Creole, everything is different, right? It's just, it's just funnier, everything. But he's like, Mike, if you think drugs is that good, you think I would have left it for you? No, I'd be taking it myself. You know, <laughs> so things like this. He was, he was this constant storyteller about stuff. You need to read. You need to drink more water. Stop doing this. There was always this story he was telling it in a way that like, it felt like he took, he took the time to figure out how can I reach this? How can I reach my children? You know, mm -hmm. How can I reach them? Not just a straight up lesson, but how can I add some stuff? He tells me a story. He said he took me, but I don't remember. Um, <laughs> took my older brother to watch, to go see where like some of the drug addicts would hang out and how the people were on drugs and they would kind of slither down and then slither back up and slither down. So it was supposed to be like, you don't want to be that person. So there was something about that relationship. This, this older person, which I've carried this on throughout my life, but the conversation with an elder is something that's been very important to me. Mm -hmm. uh, and learning from an elder, and that was part of that. That was something that was always there, and I was, I was about to lose it. Hmm. Wow. Well, that kind of takes me to the next um, topic that I feel like you're really, really good at, and this is this networking piece. And it's just finding, like you talked about the walking and talking or, or I forget what you called it, but the, yeah. Yeah. So it's like going to these events and we network with each other and we're walking a mile and then we're coming back in the mornings and stuff. When you go to, I know social media examiner used to do that, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so, and then looking at you, like your website, you know, this is, I'll link these up for the listeners that want to check it out, but I'll link up uh, Mike's LinkedIn profile and it calls it his resume and would you hire this guy? And I mean, this is like, this is incredible piece of, it's an outline for basically networking yourself to get what you actually want. And I can think back to like when I, it's, it's just like, I did something similar, but not like this, you know, this is, this is amazing. So talk to me about what you, cause you always think in community. So how do you keep these relationships? What is it about the networking that you truly enjoy? Um, and kind of what is your thought about, you know, always bringing people together? So just like why has networking been an important part of your life? And, you know, and I really think about it as community, right? You, uh, networking is, is, is fine. Um, and actually we can use the word networking because I don't want people to shy away from it and think about it just in one way as something negative. Um, but I'm going places here, Mike, that I haven't necessarily gone before in podcasts and, and, and giving thought to certain things. And I think some things for me come from a place of pain um, and then just observation. Because I remember what it felt like to be stood up, right? Like, I remember that. So I am like extra um aware of human beings and and, and and how they be and and you okay you have what you need and and respecting people's time and i remember being in high school and it was new year's eve and i had a buddy of mine who's like he was with other friends who had a car he was like we're gonna come and get you and the night just kept going on we're gonna come and get you and i'm waiting and i'm waiting and it never happened I ended up watching like the honeymooners uh, special all by myself at home and there was something about something that clicked that said, I never want to have someone go through that. If I can't make mm -hmm. it, I'm going to tell them I can't make it. I never want someone else to experience that. And I think part of my, part of my networking and community, I think 
comes from that place of if I've experienced something, I think it's negative and I think I could do something about it. I don't think anyone else has to go through it. So that, 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 I mean, we're going back to high school now, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then just thinking about, I, for a long time, I've been thinking about community in terms of how can we always turn to a place for assistance? And it's been pretty much digital. How can we go somewhere and ask for anything? Hey guys, I'm going to buy a new fridge. Anyone know something about that? Like that is something that's just stuck with me. Uh, I don't know if I'd say before Facebook, but it was just something that I've always want a place or to create a place where you can find whatever you need within this community. Um, so those are things that just kind of been, been, been in the, been in the background. Um, and I've just, I just always strive to find a way to help bring people together. When I was working at UConn, I remember there was a group of black employees that would get together. And it wasn't just about networking and coming together, but I looked at the talent that was in the room and the question was, what can we do? We have all this talent together. What can we do um, together? That, that was the thing that was kind of floating through my mind. And I'm always thinking about that. We have people who are here. What can we do? What needs to be done? And, 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 and can we have an impact on it? Um, so that stuff that's just floated, floated with me. Um, please ask me questions as we go along because I'm going to stay on the soapbox. Uh, as far as like, hey, how do you keep in touch? I slowly realized that there's certain people who are more of an inner group. You stay in touch. And you can always reconnect. Mm-hmm. You know, don't, don't be afraid to reconnect and just say, hey, I know it's been a while, man. I thought of you or I saw this that made me think of you or I, I just like to reconnect. I just mm-hmm. like to reconnect. So very much there's a little bit of, I don't know if the word is transparency, but I just like to use be human. I lost your business card. I found it. It is four weeks later. I apologize. You still want to connect? Just mm-hmm. Be what it is. So, and that's part of what I've, I've, you know, I've taught over the years at, at grad schools, at conferences, is this, uh, this, this, this concept of just be you. Go through what you're going through and go through it with other people. If they can't handle it, it's not your, your, your fault. That's their thing, right? That's not, that's not for you to carry um, that burden. It's, it's, if they can't handle um, reality and, and the real human stuff, yeah, you know, just just keep moving. And what? So one thing that I saw for on your LinkedIn profile. God, this is so good. I, I just like I didn't even have enough time. Like I gave myself 40, 40 minutes to like kind of really dive in here, and I had no idea what I was getting into. Um, but under the creating presentations piece you said I can captivate audiences from the C-suite to the janitorial janitorial staff. So talk to me about that. When you're getting ready to do a speech, because as we know, like one of the biggest fears in people's lives is public speaking, which I think is insane. There's a way lot more things to be afraid of than standing in front of a group of people, but it's not my, uh, you know, it's not my role to judge people's fears. Right. So, um, how do you like what do you think about when you're putting a presentation together when you think about you're in the room like how do you captivate these audiences when you're creating these presentations so a couple of things uh mike which i that probably comes to i'm also a certified life coach right yeah so there's something that's always there people and fear of speaking first thing that comes to mind is what's underneath that 
Mm -hmm. Oh, of course. I've actually coached, right, at Intel, people getting ready for conferences. I've actually coached people. And what I look for is who they be. Who are you? You're about to present. The material is going to come. But who are you? What do you enjoy talking about? Tell me a story. Because with that story comes energy. And when things get tough and when they start to stutter, I'd say, like an example of this one guy is, all you're doing is telling me, talking to me about beer. Because every time I would see the guy outside of this context, he would talk about beer and he would be energized. It's the same thing when I get ready to give a presentation. First of all, I want to know who the audience is. Right? Getting a sense of really who are these people? What's going on with them? Um, how, uh, where do they want to go? So really trying to take that piece of it is, is, is kind of where, is where I start. The next thing there when it comes to, to kind of the, the, the presentation is, the, is, is really being, actually being myself. Like I, I believe in my creativity. I believe in my way of, of putting words together. I believe in, I believe in the process. Right? I know that I am going to walk around for a long time. I'm going to mind map a little bit. I'm going to literally write out every single word that I'm going to say. Then I'm going to edit it and chop it up. I'm going to practice it and I'm going to make it flow. I'm going to make it flow. I'm going to find transitions. Uh, one of my favorite speeches was at WDS, uh, a two minute speech. And in two minutes, you don't have time to mess up. Like you don't have time to mess around. Um, but that was my, my favorite speech because I threw a bunch of things together and was able to create a story. I added elements of me because it, it started with, uh, you know, a Jay-Z quote. Uh, there are much bigger issues in the world I know, but I first had to take care of the world I know. Um, so it's just creativity there. I, I used that at the beginning, just like I said it. And at the end, I finished with the same quote, but I changed where the emphasis was. There are much bigger issues in the world. I know, but I first had to start with the world. I know. And that's, so that was, it's, it's, um, that's it. Being, being a student uh, of presentation, Nancy Duarte, um, you know, watching how people, how people react to stuff. That's all part of the presentation uh, process is know your audience, uh, know, know who you're going to talk to. If you can connect with them, please do beforehand. Um, knowing that it is a process, remembering that there are things that you speak about well already. So tap, tap into that and have, have fun. Have fun. And then when it comes to slides, what do your slides look like if you have to use slides? The, the, general, um, the general way that, I, that I've done with slides have been, and this actually comes from Nancy Duarte's book, Slideology, so I would recommend that is I mean, there are very few words, right? Because you know that it's really about knowing that you want the people to pay attention to you, which is, which it's interesting when you're in a corporation because it, it, it isn't usually like that. It's usually slides with a bunch of words. Yeah. But, but usually it's just, it's just one, it's usually just one picture. It's just one picture. And I can have tons of slides. Um, and so I challenge when people want to say, you can only use 10 slides. Well, what exactly are you trying to get to? What exactly are you telling me when you say I can only use 10 slides? You're afraid that I'm going to have slides that are full of stuff. But if I can go through and tell you a story with 50 slides that resonates with the audience, then I should be able to do that because, mm -hmm. it, you know, it, it's, it's about landing with the people. And then I want to kind of go uh, just to kind of we're getting close to wrapping up here. So yep. 
I want to talk about your journey as it has been from, you know, Intel to working at Babson College to now going back to get your MBA, you know, later or, you know, not later in your life, but like you, instead of being in your early twenties, right? Because a lot of right. times that's when we end up happening. So how has that process been for you during this, this time? Like, a, a, you know, it's cause you're now working at Babson. Yes. And then you're also going to school there. Yes. So talk to me about like what that process has been like for you, like full time, you're in full t- working full time plus going to school. Yeah. Um, you know, Intel leaving, uh, you know, Intel where I was working, going away, it was rough because I did kind of give a go of trying to figure out what can I do to, um, to kind of earn money. So I was doing a lot of project work, um, but it wasn't at the level. Uh, it wasn't giving me the returns that, that would really help me to sustain my family the way that I wanted to. So there was a time during the two year period where mm-hmm. I was home with Emerson and Intel's away. I'm doing different projects, working with different people, Pam Slim, Michael Margolis, um, different folks like that, whether community management or, or workshops and things of that nature. And then I started looking for work and that was frustrating as heck. <laughs> oh, it was frustrating because the things that I saw, at least in the descriptions, were so much about fitting in this box. Mm-hmm. I love to say that there was only one job description that I've ever seen that used the word, we're looking for someone who is dynamic, right? Just one. And that was by, by uh, Indeed. That was the only one that says, like, we're looking for someone who's dynamic, right? We need you to be able to not just stay in a vertical. So very frustrating. Um, I, I did a whole bunch of stuff, including writing letters to CEOs of companies and saying, hey, I want to know what your biggest challenges are, um, what do you've been thinking about but you haven't acted on, uh, to see if I could actually uh, connect and mm-hmm. potentially create a position. Because several times in my life, I've had things created because of who I be. Uh, so I was trying to recreate that. Didn't really get much traction there. Uh, the Babson opportunity came up in digital marketing. It's something that, that I'm familiar with. I have somewhat of a background with entrepreneurship is something I'm interested in. So I went through that process. Uh, I had support through a community. Speaking of community, when I was looking for work, I created an email list of people who I would say, here's the jobs I'm looking at. Do you know anyone there? Here's what I'm doing. And they, would, they were supporting me and letting me know, hey, here's some leads, et cetera. Um, so then I end up at, at Babson. Uh, I'm go, I am about two years in. And about a year ago, I decided to get my MBA. Uh, my first thought was not to get an MBA because I was afraid that I would come out. I would come out, my mind would be a certain way, like uh, trying to find the right words to articulate this. But I was afraid that I would come out a, a carbon copy. You know, like mm. this is the way you think about things when it comes to you. Yeah. I'm, like, I'm like, that's just not who I am. You know, that's not the way I am. But going through it, what I found is that it's given me more tools. It's given me more tools to use. It's given me different perspective, understanding of some of the financials. It's given me more people to connect with. It's given me a broader understanding of entrepreneur, entrepreneurship, which is what uh, Babson is known for. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I really am enjoying that. I think I mentioned this earlier, but my final project, which I'm working on from now till mid-December, is focused on building a business from scratch. That's what we have to do. So we have to explore different industries and, and opportunity spaces and then 
each week we have different um, assignments that are due that's all focused on how well do you know the macro industry? How well do you know the people, the, the, what they call the micro industry? How well do you know the, um, well, the market and then the industry? Those are all things that we're working through right now. Tons of interviews with people to find out what's their actual need. Um, so that has been, um, you know, tremendous uh, as well as tremendously difficult raising a four-year-old at the same time. Last week, my heart almost sank when my wife told me that she was dropping him off. And she said, don't worry, Appa, which is Korean for dad, said, Appa will take you to do X, Y, and Z. And Emerson responded, right, Appa won't do it. He's always busy doing schoolwork. And I was like, oh, she told me that. I was like, oh, I didn't need to know that. <laughs> you know, you didn't have to tell me that. We don't need total transparency. Um, <laughs> But what it did do is make me more sensitive to when I have stuff to do. Made me more sensitive to making him part of it. You know why I'm doing this, Emerson? You know what I'm doing right here, Emerson? Emerson, come meet my team. You know, which he was pretty much part of my team anyway. Everyone at school knows, knows Emerson. But just making sure that he's aware of it. And then me telling more of the team, like, guys, I got to pause for 15 minutes because I got to go read to this kid. Instead of saying, honey, you have to take care of that because I have a, you know, a call. So now it's like, guys, I'll be back in 15 minutes, but I got to go, you know, read and do the part that I do that Emerson is asking for. Uh, so being more sensitive to, to him in that aspect. Hmm. And then have you, cause I know you, you mentioned earlier, like you got to go with the MBA, the program for free, probably yeah. cause you work at the college, right? Yes. And then have you enjoyed this process? of your MBA? It's a great question. And, and you know, I'm sure the answer will, will be different depending on different phases. Correct. Um, Cause you're done in 2019 or is it the, I am done December 15th. December. Wow. <laughs> I'll be done with this project. So 2018 and then I don't walk until yeah. 2019, May 18, 2019. So if any of your listeners are around, come on out. <laughs> May 18th is a very significant day for me. It's my mom's birthday. It's Haitian flag day. So, so oh, wow, that's uh, awesome. It is awesome. And it's also 2019 is the hundredth year. It's the centennial for Babson. So I'm like graduating in hundred years. So it's, it's a beautiful time for it, for it to, um, to happen. But regarding, uh, have I enjoyed the process? It's, um, it's definitely been quite a process. Uh, I've enjoyed getting to know my classmates. I've enjoyed, um, I've enjoyed, interestingly enough, things like learning about the numbers, things I just didn't know, mm -hmm. being able to read different financials now. I really enjoy, in, in, enjoyed that. Um, until I started Capstone, which is our, follow, our final project, I could see the end. Now that I'm in it, it's just so consuming, so consuming. At 8 a.m. about, uh, at 8 a.m. this morning, I was on a call, like, Pretty much seven days a week, I'm doing something towards building, air quotes, building my business. Uh, so it's very consuming. Um, it's very consuming. And I have to be reminded to enjoy the process, to step back mm -hmm. and make sure that, that I'm uh, just remembering that, that, that it is, um, you know, it, it, is, it, is a, it is a journey. I've been very fortunate to be asked several times to talk to new students who are just starting the process. So that also helps me with the reflection aspect of it. And oh, being cool. able to, yeah. To say, Hey, here's some of the things I learned. Um, my classmates who threw me uh, a surprise birthday party after knowing me for like three months, 
people may, uh, yeah, for about three months, like stuff like that. It's just crazy. So, so um, it's been it's been a beautiful struggle in 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 the words of uh, Talib Kweli. <laughs> yes, I uh, yeah, because I didn't enjoy my MBA at all. No, <laughs> like, yeah. and I think one. What's that? As I say, did you do two years straight in? It was two years. It was every Saturday for two years. Okay. And it was all day on Saturdays. It was like an executive MBA program from Wake Forest down in Charlotte. Mm -hmm. I was also younger. You know, I was 20 because I got out of undergrad, started working. I was like 24, 25 when I started. And then I took basically two semesters off and then restarted taking prerequisites for my MBA program at Wake Forest. And then I was in school for pretty much two and a half years straight, you know, for my MBA program right after it. And I don't enjoy school period. So I enjoyed the social aspects of school, the party aspects of school, but I learned how to play the system. And so, yeah. And I, I feel like if anybody's listening, think about their MBA, don't be dissuaded. I mean, really go, I think there's value to it if you want to go that direction. But I think the one I did not, cause ours was, it was only on Saturdays. It wasn't on campus, but if there's a way to do it where you could work and go to campus, so you're with people, or if you can just take two years and do it and don't have to work, you know, it's like, I feel like that's what I would do differently instead of kind of the online piece to do. It. I think it would make it more enjoyable for me. Kind of like what you're, you're experiencing with the students there. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, that's a, a really great point, Mike. So I had options. I had the option of doing an evening MBA, which would get you with people. But with the evening MBA, it's like you pick your classes. It's a slow track. You're done maybe in three or four years. I did something that's known as, as the fast track. Excuse mm-hmm. me. Now it's called a blended MBA. So for seven weeks, seven weeks, every seven weeks you meet in person, like all day Friday, all day Saturday. Oh, got it. Outside of that, you're working with a small team of five. Uh, the bigger group you're in is 50. So there very much is this, you know, Mm -hmm. working with people, you know, you're going to meet them in person. Um, A lot of that is, 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 um, it's part of it. And I'm really glad it's, it's tough because it's, it's a pressure cooker. Right. To get it done in about two years. But I'm very uh, thankful that I did that, especially since I'm almost done. Instead of taking all this time to do it. Congratulations. You know, you. almost, almost there. So we'll talk again in January and you can yes. just vibe out. Um, okay. So to close out, I just have, what came to me while we were talking is I'm just going to say a word and I just want you to kind of respond to what I've never, I just came up with this now, what this means to you. And so I think from coming from a dude, it's like, I like to hear, um, before I ask that question, what do you think of the state of hip hop right now in 2018? <laughs> That's funny because anytime someone tells me that, it honestly <laughs> makes me think about um, most deaf. And uh, I think it's called Fear Not of Man. And I, I actually wrote, I actually did this thing where I wrote about I took one of his songs and I, 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 I broke it down for after Trump got elected because it was uh, Fear Not a Man talks about like people come up to me and say, hip hop, what do you think of, of uh, people come up to me most deaf? What do you think of hip hop? Where's hip hop going? He says, mm-hmm. 
it's like hip hop, hip hop is you, it's me. You know, people talk about hip hop like it's some giant living in the hillside coming yeah. down to visit the village people. It's like, no, it's about you and it's about me. So like the state of hip hop for me, uh, as someone who doesn't listen to the radio, as someone who may catch something on Spotify, I do not know what is so, uh, what is really as, well, what I'd say commercialized. Mm -hmm. I know what, what lyrics move me. That's just the way that I, I look at it. Uh, and that's why I created Hip Hop Affirmations. That's why I still send out quotes. Uh, that's why I still, um, I had to do some really menial work. I listen to, like catch up on some Drake, catch up on uh, J. Cole. Uh, but I'm listening to albums, right? I'm not necessarily, I'm catching things on Facebook that someone says, yo, you gotta check this out. And then I'll go, but I'm not like in the everyday and hearing about something mumble rap and blah, 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 blah. And I don't know. I, I don't know. It, it's, it's, I take it and I contextualize it for me and my, and my mm -hmm. people and who I want to serve. I take it and I, and I can, uh, I shape it. All right, guys, here's how we can use it. So it isn't about how it's presented. Mm. It's about how we can deliver, how we can leverage. That's how I think about it. I like that. It's much better than like, oh, here's the greatest five R. You know, it's like, because I heard this the other day and I was just, they always talk about, you know, uh, big boys. I follow big boy neighborhood on um, Instagram and he'll be like, what do you think of Lil Wayne's new album? Or what do you think of dropping this? And, you know, people were like, I'm so glad somebody came out with something that's not a diss track. And I was like, there's tons of people coming out with stuff that's not a diss track every single day. I'm like, what are you guys talking about? Um, and then, okay, so the, I'm just going to say a word and then you can kind of fill in the blank. Basically, I'll just say vulnerability. Mm. Yes, vulnerability. Let me, let me breathe that in a second. Let me breathe it in. Let me breathe it in for a second. What comes to mind right away, honestly, is there's a mixed thing. One is just like, just do it. And, and, and th that's one thing. And then two is just like, there's a little bit for me, it's like, yo, it's not vulnerability. It's just human. <laughs> like, it's just human. It's like, it's human condition, dude. Like, you can't handle that. Like, you can't handle that women breastfeed. You can't handle that. Like, <laughs> like. That's what that's what comes to me when I hear vulnerability. I hear human. I hear human condition. Is this is the real stuff? This is the stuff you don't see on Instagram. <laughs> that's what comes to me. It's like this is this is uh, vulnerability. Is what actually happens after the person takes the selfie. This is vulnerability. This is the fact that they're they have a wad of cash or something. But vulnerability is like what happens afterwards when you, when you zoom the camera out and you see you see that. The party that was in the background was one that they were just walking by. <laughs> like, you know, they weren't actually in it. <laughs> right? Or the day after. Or the day, the day after, right? Like, that, that's, it's human. It's re really real. The word really real comes to me. When I think about vulnerability, I'm like, just be, man. This is, this is humanity. This is, this is what really happens. This is, this is human stuff, man. We got to be able to, we got to be able to have conversations about this stuff because this is what really happens. This is life, my friends, good, bad, uh, you know, and everything in between. Thank you for uh, allowing me to share this with the audience. Yeah, Thanks for man. being here. 
My utmost pleasure, Mike. Anytime. <laughs> Where, uh, what are you, are you working, anything, working on anything? I meant to ask you this in the beginning, but now I forgot. Uh, but that people would be interested in or where they can find out more about you? It's interesting because when you say you work on anything, I'm like, on myself. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm, in a, I'm in a place of, of a little bit of like figuring out what's next. I am not writing as much as I used to, um, which I'm not happy about. I'm not communicating as much, let's say, because it's not necessarily writing for me. It's about video. It's about audio. I'm not doing as much, and I need to. Um, and, and that place would be ambassadorbruni.com, if anything. I was doing a little bit on um, Anchor because mm -hmm. it, it felt, felt, felt kind of effortless. Um, so you can, anywhere you look up Ambassador Bruni, and Bruni spelled B-R-U-N-Y, you'll, you'll find what I'm doing. But um, I'm actually, uh, it feels like I'm looking for a challenge for a reason to communicate with people almost every day. Um, mm. You can look out, there's going to be something I'm going to be doing for, for probably young professionals, black young professionals. Uh, and, and one of the reasons is it's a place that I think I've been running from uh, for a number of reasons. One is because I went to a predominantly white uh, institution for college. And so there's a piece of me that feels like I am multicultural. I know people from everywhere and, and, and all that. And at the same time, I think there's work that I need to do. Uh, and it needs to be focused work. It needs to be focused work. So you'll probably see something around that. It'll probably be around corporations and, and, and um, what is it like to be the only one or a few, uh, which is in my case, it's like that, but just, it's probably going to tie to the project I started a little bit ago, my podcast, No More Reasonable Doubt, mm -hmm. uh, because that's part of it. There's something about what causes you to hesitate, or I call the stutter step, to make you think, think twice, think twice before you move and take action. That can be the difference between uh, being a baller and just and just you know just being someone who who is who is um, a cog in the wheel. Hmm. So, but ambassadorbruni.com well, will probably be the easiest way. Let me know when that goes live. I am, uh, that sounds very great, actually. Thanks. Just to kind of hear more of your wisdom. Thanks, Brother Mike. Thanks. Thank you.